VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, my name is Jamie and I'm from Colorado. I was calling because you guys are coming up to the part where the second Death Star blows up. When I was a teenager, my best friends and I used to play the Star Wars drinking game, but we could only use pop because we were 13-year-old girls, and we would drink about 12 Mountain Dews each, watching the entire series of movies. But uh, the end always came when we got to the second Death Star, and it specified that the camera had lingered on dead Ewoks for 14 seconds longer than it does on the Death Star when millions of people are killed. So we would always sit there and count and then promptly explode in a burst of sugar-fueled crazy energy. And that's why we were the coolest 13-year-old girls. Welcome back to Star Wars Minute. It's your daily podcast in which we analyze, scrutinize, and celebrate Return of the Jedi one explosive minute at a time. I'm Alex Robinson from comicbookalex.com. And I'm Pete the Retailer from petetheretailer.com. I'm special guest star Tim Kreider. I'm a writer. My last book was We Learn Nothing. The next one will be I Wrote This Book Because I Love You. Thanks for joining us from your undisclosed location, Tim. You're welcome. And you're another uh, trifecta. Um, That's you, true. You were on all three. You did Empire and Star Wars. That's right. You had me in for the asteroid field in Empire, yes? Yes, that sounds familiar. It, yeah, it's, yeah basically, basically whenever the explosions get hot and heavy, you call me in. <laughs> right. Yeah, and we had you on for the, the destruction of Death Star 1, so we figured for the sake of OCD closure, we had to have you on for the destruction <laughs> Of Death Star. I appreciate theory. it. <laughs> it's that ring theory that we were talking about. Yes, exactly. Mm, yes, I was pleased to see we're still working with the original unaltered versions. Uh, yes. Uh, so uh, we were discussing minute 123 of Return of the Jedi, 123. It's, it's getting close to the end. Uh, it starts off with Wedge flying out of the Death Star, out of the giant exhaust port or access port or whatever that thing is. And then it ends a minute later with Han telling Leah that she loves Luke. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, the uh, ship's flying out of the out of the soon-to-be-destroyed Death Star. I love that shot. It's kind of corny, but I love the shot of the Falcon shooting out with the fire behind it. Um, please remind me, do we get Wedge's line in this minute? I'm already on my way out. That was yesterday's minute. Okay. All right, well, but, then I, I won't speak of it. Because it happened in the past. It just shows the coolness of Wedge under pressure. Are yeah. you are you pro-Wedge? Oh, yeah, I like Wedge. Um, I don't remember. Did I Have I shared with you the Wedge haiku I learned years ago uh, when I was on previously? I believe so, because I think it came up 
probably during the last uh, <laughs> Death Star explosion that we covered. Well, for the sake of uh, for the sake of nostalgia, why don't you share? It's a haiku. It doesn't take that much yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's Wedge Antilles, unsung hero of the saga. Luke hogs the glory. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, yeah, I like Wedge, but as with all as with all secondary characters, I like him better as something of an enigma. I don't I don't want to know Wedge's whole backstory. I don't need a spinoff movie about Wedge. You don't want to see Wedge as a ten year old child growing up on Coriolis. And... <laughs> You're killing me. <laughs> <laughs> and theoretically, well, at least as of press time, not coming back for seven, or the actor isn't anyway. He's not. That's that's the latest rumor, but uh, yeah, I, I heard that they even approached him, and he was just like, "Nope, I don't want to do that." Yeah. Well, that is the coolness of Wedge Antilles. Exactly. <laughs> his legend grows with every uh, every it's, passing. Wedge has done his part. He's fought his war. It's time for the young folks to take over. <laughs> I do like the idea of continuing with the, with the ring theory of having a different actor play Wedge with a different actor's voice to, to oh, right. sort of go back to him splitting up into multiple actors and voices. <laughs> yeah, I believe in episode seven, Wedge will be played by an Asian man with a little girl's voice. <laughs> um, now, I don't, want, I don't want to take issue with you, Alex. I do like that shot of the Millennium Falcon uh, shooting out just ahead of the plane. But I have this grievance about this. You know that... that um, at various in various drafts of the screenplay, it was possible that that uh, Lando and the Millennium Falcon were not going to make it out, right. that they would be lost, and and this is foreshadowed in the film where uh, Han says, "I have a feeling like I'm not going to see her again." Yes, right. Um, and it bugs me that that was not the case because in the end, really nothing is sacrificed for this victory, and also that would have been an opportunity for what I call Lando's atonement. Mm-hmm. Like, there's an opportunity for him to, to sacrifice himself and redeem himself in the eyes of all, including those of us who never were quite sure he was to be trusted ever again. It's tough. I'm torn because I like the idea of a character dying and I like the idea of, you know, there being some kind of sacrifice for the, for, for the rebellion. I'm not... As... No, I think how moving it is in Star Wars when Ben Kenobi dies. Sure, yeah. I'm not as crazy about the movie cliche of the ethnic minority person being the one, the person who gets killed. You know what I mean? Which we see, well, which we see in every movie. It's, it's, you know, it's kind of uh, nine numb. Sure. <laughs> oh, I thought nine numb was the minority you were talking about. <laughs> well, to me, this is incidental, but I, I do see what you're saying. I mean, for me, it's more like this is this is Lando's chance to to really redeem himself, and everyone dies because. I know it's kind of strange, you know, at the beginning of Jedi, um, presumably Chewbacca has filled Han in about Lando's uh, rehabilitation. Yeah. Um, like, okay, he realizes he screwed up. He's he's actually a very good guy. He's even started dressing like you. And he came all the way here to Tatooine to save you. <laughs> but in fact, Lando doesn't do anything uh, in, in that scene. You know, he, he gets thrown into the Sarlacc pit right away. Han has to save him. Lando hasn't really had his shot at redemption. Yeah, it's kind of. I think we probably addressed this in the in the minute with the minute where uh, Han and Lando are are saying goodbye, and oh, they're talking about the Millennium Falcon and stuff. And it really is a shame that they spend more time talking about the ship than they do about their 
the damage that's been done to the, you know, let's worry about the scratch on the ship and not worry about the damage that's been done to their friendship. You know, well, Alex, maybe that's what they really are talking about. Ah, uh, that's right. true. They're, very, they're both, they're both, you know, men's men. They're, they're not the kind to share their feelings freely. So maybe, maybe that's as close as they can come. I, I, I would agree with that. If the dialogue was written in such a way where, <laughs> But it could be interpreted that way. Right. Yeah, or you know, or Han Solo was like, you know, you know, last time you flew my ship, you really messed it up, and you really got it damaged. And like, yeah. like oh, well, don't worry, this time, you know, I've learned my lesson. I'm going to take much better care of the ship. Something like that, more right. than just like, oh, right, old buddy. You know, Lando's <laughs> very cavalier, and you know, he doesn't really seem to care about. Uh... It'd be funny if it was one sided. That you know, like Han Solo was, like, yeah. oh, last time you flew the ship, then you know, there were some problems, and you, and Lando's like, we do get out of here. Here you, you get, get yeah, like Lando's oblivious to the subtext. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Han is dropping increasingly, increasingly heavy-handed hints about his, his grudge. Right. So, uh, yeah, so uh, I'm more, so you think this is the scene where, where he would have been killed in this moment? Yeah. I think it's a missed opportunity. Yeah. I well, think I would rather have seen him die in the Sarlacc pit. Frankly, <laughs> well, in the act of saving Han, that that would have been maybe more poetic. Well, yeah, but and also because by having a character die at the beginning, you kind of you kind of are letting the audience know that there's stakes this time. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. look, we already killed Lando. Who knows who's going to go next? So, I know. Yeah. Could be anyone. Chewbacca. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course, not Luke or Han, but no. You know. No. Um, yeah. By that. Kind of the fact that Lando escapes and it's, I, you know, it's the music and it's the whole, you know, the way it's shot and everything I I wrote, you know, exciting, but no danger. Like, you don't feel like there is any potential danger here. Everybody's just kind of not, like, yep, I know it's, really. it's blowing up a Death Star. We've done this. Yeah, I mean, even when you compare it to the trench run in Star Wars... By that time, by the time they're getting there, Luke is the only pilot left. At this point, right. I don't think, other than a bunch of anonymous pilots who we saw fighting, not even in the Death Star part, they were fighting against the Star Destroyers. Right. They, like, no one, there was no sacrifice. There was no sense of, like, oh my gosh, are they going to make it out really in time? I guess you, yeah. the fire was supposedly the new danger, but... It well, could... also, compared to blowing up Alderaan, the Death Star is just picking off battleships. Um... I don't know. I, I, that's, that's my other big grievance here is like, really, this is the best he could come up with for a climax is the same thing again. <laughs> it's another Death Star. Right. Would you have been more happy um, with the proposed two Death Stars? No, it's just more Death Stars. I mean, <laughs> four, I mean four the Death problem stars? is he came, up, he came up with the ultimate threat in the first film. Yeah. And you can't really top that. You have to go some other direction. I mean, what, wasn't there... Um, this is the sort of thing you guys would know. Wasn't wasn't there originally supposed to be uh, a volcano planet where Darth Vader lived? Like he had his evil obsidian castle there, yeah. Um, or maybe the Emperor did. Yeah, no, that was Vader, and he had. Like, Wasn't it maybe going to end there? He had gargoyles that he fed, and all this very, very arch, very kind of like villainous <laughs> stuff. Yeah, like a Disney villain feeding gargoyles. Yeah. Because it's at once both evil and also, well, he's feeding them, so he clearly right. likes them. <laughs> you know, he's <laughs> like his little pets. Well, like, yeah, like that Klingon dog in Star Trek Three. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There you go. I don't know. I just I, I just think he should have thought up something different for the climax of the last film. Like, we kind of know this routine already. 
it's tough to compete with a battle station that can blow up planets. Right. Well, the the story goes that the Death Star was originally the climax of the the third chapter. Oh, I know George's story. Yeah. And then <laughs> when he realized he might only be able to make one, he's like, oh, I better throw it in there. So, uh-huh. Tim, the way you said that was like you'd been married to him for 25 <laughs> years. I guess, in a way. Well, I, yeah. I think we all feel like we have been. <laughs> <laughs> We've heard this old story he likes to tell. <laughs> I'm not buying it. <laughs> um, so the Death Star then blows up. Yeah. It blows up without the dreaded Praxis effect, which is overused, yeah. that ring, um, which is, I, I, you know, didn't realize that even within the industry, apparently, where they call it the Praxis effect, which is do that. good and bad. <laughs> um, yeah, I was pleased not to see that this time around. Um, again, I'm kind of, I, I hate to be such a naysayer in this minute, but I'm again sort of underwhelmed by the Death Star explosion here. It's just not even as good as the first Death Star explosion. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. I mean, the, I, I like the fact that right before it blows up, there's kind of a little bit of a... a gl- if, uh, I was I was p- kind of pausing it, watching it like frame by frame, and there's kind of like a little nice glow around it right before it blows up. Yes, well, I think the, I, that is cool. I believe the idea is that that explosion, the leading edge of which is chasing the Falcon out, finally reaches the periphery of the Death Star, and we sort of see it flickering there for an instant. Yeah. Yeah. And then it just um, kind of it just kind of feels like it just gets then replaced. It just okay, take the Death Star out, put a explosion shot in, and I don't know. Yeah, it's like the explosion's not even bigger than the Death Star. It's more of an implosion. Yeah. Are, are you saying I don't know. Are you saying it was an inside job? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it did get very like far two, inside. Like two little measly ships could possibly blow up a whole Death Star. <laughs> What's more improbable? So, um, so you're, you're, yeah, I don't know. I've already, I've already waxed rhapsodic about the first Death Star explosion, those sort of trillion points of light it burst into. But this just seems like, I don't know, it's not even the coolest explosion in Return of the Jedi. So, well, that raises the question what is the coolest explosion? That's a pretty good question. Um, I think maybe I like, I like, um, that first, um, Mon Calamari cruiser that gets blown up. That's a pretty good one. If I had to pick, I, I, I just noticed it the first time watching it minute by minute, so it's possible uh, you might not have missed it. When when Jar, when uh, Akbar says, concentrate all your fire on that Super Star Destroyer. In oh. The, in the background, there's a Star Destroyer. That's a great one. Blowing up. Yeah, that yeah. one looks cool. Yeah, it's like slowly blowing up. There's explosions yeah. crawling all over it. No, you're right. Hmm. That might be the best one secretly. It's a good one. Do you think the Death Star explosion would maybe it was just little technological limitations at the time? But do you think it would look better if it was more like pieces blowing up, or would it, is that just very like nowadays? I feel like that's what they would do. Like you would see big chunks of it floating out, and then right. the chunks would blow up, and you'd see guys floating out the window. Yeah, maybe. <clears throat> it's tough. yeah, that sounds very Battlestar Galactica. Right. Yes, exactly. I think that I don't know. I'm just I'm just sort of in despair about this. I spent a long time trying to pretend or convince myself that I was not disappointed by Return of the Jedi. But it's very disappointing. Well, I guess this is a, as good a segue as ever. Uh, do you want to rank the 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 movies, all six? Um, or do you can include the holiday special? I don't think I'll be including the holiday special. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I even consider that a canonical thing. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't, show. 
<laughs> I don't think my rankings are real unorthodox. Um, though they're probably full of annoying qualifications and, and caveats and stuff. I mean, obviously, the original movies are all better than all of the prequels. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Empire Strikes Back is a better written and more interesting film than Star Wars, but Star Wars is just a better film. Um, it's like a more historically important film. It's a more fun, exhilarating film. So I'm just going to say it's, it's um, yeah, I believe it or not, I think I'm going to say Star Wars Empire Jedi. And then um, I think I'm going to say the prequels in reverse order. Fifth, clones, whatever the first one was, Phantom. You're picking Phantom Menace as the, as the worst one. Oh, yeah, it's certainly the worst. Interesting. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's, a total, it's a totally unnecessary film. Well, you, one could argue that all three of them are. <laughs> right, yeah. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> But uh, really, if the first film had been Revenge of the Sith, it would have been fine. Like, we don't need anything that happens in the previous two films. So you think he should have just should have done episode three and then never done one and two? I don't know. Some, a lot of things should have been different. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sort of fascinated by those films. They're, they're sort of the weirdest big budget blockbusters ever made. Yes. Because, you know, they, they didn't go through the standard Hollywood committee process. It's just one guy's vision with a ton of money um, making these very kind of inept and depressing films. I mean, there's, I can't think of any other big blockbusters that are tragedies. Um, I mean, I guess Titanic, but, you know, it's not, not, it's not exactly the same thing. They're just such weird movies. There's really not, been nothing else quite like them. So, uh, getting back to minute 123. Uh, yeah, sorry. The Death Star blows up, and um, we see everyone at Endor like, yay, look, the Death Star is blowing up. Right. See, that's what I think they should have, to distinguish this Death Star explosion from the one in Star Wars, they should have just only shown it from Endor. You know, I think that's a good idea. That I'm with you. A good idea. So you just see, you know, from the because kind of that shot is quite movie. cool. Yeah, yeah, that would have been uh, that. Well, that you're right, Pete. That would have been better. So as they're you know flying out, you see Lando escape, you see Wedge escape, then just cut down to Endor, and you see the Death Star looming in the sky, and then boom, blows up. You don't hear anything. Do you think everyone on Endor was looking up the whole time? Is it like, oh, come on, any minute now, or <laughs> was it just the kind of thing where one person noticed? And then everyone looked up because because like, you wouldn't hear it, right? Yeah. I think you would hear it in the Star Wars universe since you hear it in space. That's oh, right. true. Yeah, in the Star Wars in the Star Wars verse, the Force would let you hear it. And then I wonder what that would be like. Well, uh, I guess there's a popular internet uh, thing where that the destruction of the Death Star initiates the basically ecological destruction of Endor because. There's now tons of flaming debris and and uh-huh. basically, you know, as if the radar dish blowing up didn't set the whole forest on fire. You now have right a moon-sized space station falling down onto right. the planet. You have like office chairs and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> like, yeah, this, this is sort of like when the Americans liberate your country. <laughs> right, Dianogas falling everywhere. <laughs> a rain of Dianogas. <laughs> That's what they're called. That's when a group of Dianogas is called a rain of Dianogas. Oh, yeah. Is that true? Yeah. <laughs> that is, uh, that's going to be a tough invasive species for Endor to handle. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, uh, I would think that would be kind of creepy to be underneath the Death Star as it was blowing up. Like, sure, yeah. Like, or at the very least, there'd be tons of stuff in orbit floating around. You know what I mean? Right. So you think it probably took them forever to get off of Endor afterwards. Yeah, assuming they were trapped there for... for uh, although I wonder if eventually all the debris would clump together and form a big, like, moon <laughs> around Endor. Interesting. Well, that's no moon. Oh, <laughs> that's no moon. That was big, a space Big, depressing age. moon. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we need a uh, physicist in here to uh, <laughs> consult with us about that one. Uh, R2-D2 on the mend after getting shot. Nice to see that. They didn't need oh, to... Yeah. Uh, I forgot about that. They didn't need to donate any spare parts for him this time. Oh, we also yeah, get... he gets busted up a lot, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, but you don't hear him crying about it the way uh, C-3PO does. C-3PO does. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but we just can't. Like, as, those, as the films progress, like, the humiliations and dismemberments of 3PO just got worse and worse. <laughs> I only wonder what's going to happen to him in Episode 7. Right. Sorry. And isn't his head being dragged through the dirt in one of those films, finally? <laughs> that, was in, uh, that was in Attack of the Clones. I think that was the lowest point for yeah. him. Yeah, I think that was humanity's lowest point. <laughs> yeah, he's not in Revenge of the Sith much, so I guess he was finally like, whew, I just you know, now I just get to uh <laughs> be mostly in one piece and just stand around. Uh so then we see um you know the Death Star blows up and Han and Leia look up at it and Han's like, I'm sure Luke wasn't on that ship. I'm the Death Star when it blew up. Which he has no real reason to think. I guess he's just trying to be positive. Right. Um, Like, yeah. I guess he figures Leia can't handle the truth. Yeah, I mean, as far as, let's see, last thing they know, Luke was just going to turn himself in on Endor. As far as they know, he wasn't even on this. Right. He might not even have been on the Death Star. Yeah, that's true. Although that was potentially his plan. So I don't know if they knew that that was his plan. Like, how much did Leia tell Han? It's, you know, a lot of the most important conversations in Star Wars do not take place on screen. That's true. We have to, we have to infer them. Like, uh, uh, yeah, presumably at this point, Leia did not tell Han that Luke is his, that Luke thinks Leia's her brother. Well, No, this is the up. first he's heard of it. Right. Yeah, we don't, that's... Uh, not in this minute. That's that's in the future. I like how uh, how noble and manful Han tries to be when he when he thinks that uh, Leia really loves Luke more. When he when he misinterprets their force bond as love. Right. Well, at first he gives like kind of a, you know, when he says, you know, hey, I'm sure Luke wasn't on that. And Leia was just like, oh, he wasn't. I can feel it. And Han at first gives her kind of like a crazy look, like, oh, great. You see, uh, getting goofy here. This woo-woo fort stuff. Yeah. <laughs> More superstition and nonsense. Right. Uh, so do you think she is purposely now, like now that she thinks she's hands, that now that she thinks she's Luke's sister, is she purposely now trying to use like force powers? Well, in my understanding of force powers, yes. She's like, oh, I have the force. All right, let me start just, you know, saying things, right. you know, pretending that I know things and can do things. Tim, I don't know if you're aware, but um, the current operating theory is that um, there's no such thing, <laughs> there's no such thing as the Force, and Luke and Leia are not actually brother and sister. Just what are you talking about? <laughs> the current theory, according to who? Well, according to the Star Wars Minute, uh, yeah, fifty percent of the Star Wars Minute crew believes <laughs> that there is no such thing as the Force, and that. <laughs> It's something I've been working on. And that when, uh, when Luke finds out about, when Obi-Wan says, your sister is safely anonymous, 
Luke just says, Leia, Leia's my sister. And Obi-Wan's like, sure, why not? <clears throat> and, but, cause they, so you think there's just more, more old Ben Kenobi's lies? <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah they want to keep her safely anonymous. They're not right. going to instantly confirm his first <laughs> guess. It's like, Leia's my sister. Mm-hmm. It's like, yep, like I said, safely anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I don't know if I can get on board with this theory. It's <laughs> it's fringe. It's definitely a uh, it's cutting edge, cutting edge Star Wars theory. How do you explain the telekinesis? Uh, which <laughs> I, I, I'll, there's many examples of it. I'll have to produce a document with like you know point by point uh, explaining. There's not one explanation for all the telekinesis. Each right. one is its own specific explanation. Uh-huh. Right. Hidden wires. <laughs> of, a lot of ad hoc theorizing. Yeah, magnets. magnets. Lots of magnets. <laughs> it's big on magnets. Because <laughs> no one's really sure how they work anyway. Uh, so, so okay, assuming there is such a thing as the Force and Leia is Luke's sister, is she now purposely trying to use the Force? Has she always been able to do it and just kind of not really known it was the Force? Like she was, Did she just put this stuff off to women's intuition or some mm. such? Like I got a hundred. Well, maybe she, maybe she always had little little feelings, but just ignored them because she's you know too hard headed and skeptical for that. But now she knows she's Luke's sister, and she's seen you know she's seen what he can do. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, maybe she's like uh, trusting her feelings a little bit more. <laughs> um, I, I want to point out that during this scene when Han and Leia are speaking in the background, you can see C three PO sort of hanging out with a rebel trooper. Yeah. And the rebel mm-hmm. trooper is kind of awkwardly looks like he might be dancing or moving his body rhythmically. And first of all, who's talking to C-3PO? <laughs> <laughs> it's like the lowest, yeah. like the low end, like the, the, the new guy into the rebel, uh, you know, it's like private Johnson or whatever. Who's <laughs> just, just, Johnson. Been, just been drafted into the rebellion. And, you know, he doesn't have any friends in there yet. So he's like, oh, this guy's, he's like part of the command crew and he's talking to me. And so he's talking to 3PO and he's all excited. And then gradually as the conversation goes on, he's like, oh, <laughs> I see. Yeah. I'm so excited about this. It's like realizing you sat at the wrong table in the cafeteria. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. C-3PO's friends, friendships only tend to last for like a day or two until, <laughs> until the, it's like freaks and geeks until the cooler kids come. And, right. Uh, People rise to their natural level. Uh, I know I've, I've know I've spoken of this before, but one of my favorite things in the whole trilogy is just Han's hatred for three PO. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> no patience for him. Um, although I, although you have to wonder, do the Ewoks attribute this entire thing to C three PO's? Like, do they think C three PO blew up the Death Star? Oh wow. Maybe, yeah. Do they ever really get over their delusion that he is their, their golden Ewoks god? Unclear. I mean, uh, we never it's never addressed again. <laughs> Funny that you call it a delusion. <laughs> <laughs> the other operating theory is that C-3PO actually is a god. <laughs> he is a chosen one. <laughs> uh, he was constructed by the chosen one. Maybe that's what they're... Uh, hmm. I wonder if there's some connection to the force, you know, the prophecy. They never real the force there's some prophecy that Anakin is the one who's gonna bring balance to the force. I wonder if C three PO being a god is somehow connected with that prophecy. Mm. Like that connection to C three PO the connection to Anakin is somehow giving three PO divine hmm. 
<laughs> if, if this was like 3 a.m. in a dorm room, it would be about time for me to get going. <laughs> <laughs> be like, all right, guys, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> so anything else for uh, minute 123? Uh, I just had that Han and Leia don't seem too excited about having just overthrown the Empire. Yeah, you know that's I mean? true. Like the Death Star explodes, and everybody, you know, the like the you know Private Johnson is is celebrating, C three PO is celebrating, the Ewoks are celebrating, and Han and Leia are just kind of like, oh, um, well, look, fun. if you were in the middle of possibly breaking up with your girlfriend during the fall of the Berlin Wall, what would you really be preoccupied <laughs> with? <That's> true. <laughs> I mean, he's in this whole situation where, so wait, are you into Luke? Is that the deal? Or <laughs> it's like during the medal ceremony, right? Yeah, I think yeah, I think the whole fall of the empire is really eclipsed for them by the miracle of their love. Yeah, right. And they're just as underwhelmed by the Death Star blowing up as we seem to have been. Yeah, that's true. They, yeah. they saw it already. Yeah. They were like, oh yeah, Death Star blowing up. Old news. Um, yeah, huh. That's what looks better. Tim, do you remember <laughs> seeing Jedi for the first time? I do, yes. <laughs> do you remember, how, were you just as over, just as underwhelmed, or were you more into it at the time, or... Um, I think it was like, I've had other cinematic experiences where I was very much looking forward to a film that turned out not to be as good as I hoped. And for a while, you don't accept it. Yeah. You don't accept that you didn't like the film because it was very important to you that you like it. So you do, even though secretly you didn't. On a related matter, how many times did you see Phantom Menace? Um, I saw it several times, actually. I'm not real happy to be saying that in, for, for the internet. Uh, <laughs> But I kept thinking maybe it doesn't suck, but it, it did. So that's a dozen? No, not a dozen. I have no idea. Less than a dozen. Six? Only, only a crazy person would see it a dozen times. <laughs> Pete saw you saw it 13 times, right, Pete? Including the one time in 3D, yes. <laughs> so, really? Yeah. Did you like The Phantom Menace, or were you also trying to convince yourself it might be good? Uh, I was still in denial the first several times, and then it turned into some a, a weird obsession because there was a lot of twelves going on, and uh, a lot of twelves. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it's really time for me to go back to my own room. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's not like it's not like Return of the Jedi is terrible. It's just you know, it's just a week of surgery. But I don't know, maybe maybe third acts are hard to pull off successfully because you, you're just tying up loose ends. Yeah, Things I mean, have a certain inevitability about them. And to be fair, there aren't many movie trilogies that have three solid, mm-hmm. especially ones that tell one long story. I mean, right. I keep, true. Uh, I guess Lord of the Rings is probably the the best example, but that was also working from a book that had been you know, around and they trimmed yeah. a lot of stuff out and whatever, so... And even so, probably Return of the King is the is the least interesting one. Yeah, the, something about Act Threes, I guess, because a lot of times you're just tying up loose ends, you know. Yeah. So there's some uh, nice moments in Jedi. I mean, I really like the moment where Luke throws down his lightsaber and says, "I'm a Jedi, like my father before me." That's kind of moving. Yeah, yeah. There's good stuff. You know, it's just that the bar is set so high that, you know, if this wasn't a Star Wars movie, if this was just if somehow you could just kind of extricate it and make it the last starfight here's a fun sci-fi movie then we would all be like yeah it was good it was no star wars but it was good right (laughs) well and part of the fun of star wars the first one was just the it's it's originality it's newness and strangeness right and trying to figure out what is what are what are the rules of this universe what is it like 
I guess it's it's hard to it's it's like trying to imagine the Beatles again. Like, can you imagine a, a star a movie creating such a sensation that Star Wars did? It's I guess it's as it's impossible to imagine as Star Wars was to imagine in 1975. You know, right? So, uh, you know, go figure. But well, all right, Tim. Thanks for uh, joining us on minute 123. Thanks for having me. I'm sorry you've been such a downer about Return of the Jedi. Well, and you no. specifically asked for this minute, so it's especially. I know. <laughs> no, it was it was a pleasure. Well, good talking to you guys. So, uh, in the meantime, uh, listeners, we'll be back tomorrow with another All Star. Uh, and follow us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook, and subscribe to our Patreon account. Get bonus episodes every single week with more Star Wars talk. And we'll be back tomorrow with more Star Wars. Star Wars. Star Wars. Star Wars. Star Wars.